0: Hi everyone, I'm your host, Jaco Selka, and you are listening to Hopefully Sustainable. Each week, I'm going to talk to extraordinary people who are doing extraordinary things to make the world a more sustainable place. My goal is for this episode to leave you feeling hopeful about an idea, a person, or the world in general. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and all together, we can be Hopefully Sustainable. Hello everyone! I hope that you are having a great week so far and thank you for making Hopefully Sustainable a part of your day. My name is Jake Selka, and today I am introducing you to Ollie Chapman. I recently got to meet Ollie through an Earth Day panel that I had the opportunity to moderate where he was a panelist speaking about his experience with Drawdown Georgia. I had learned a lot about Project Drawdown through the sustainability program at the University of Georgia, and I had purchased the book by Paul Hawken because it's a really great resource for anyone interested in sustainability. I was really amazed to hear that there was an organization called Drawdown Georgia that is helping my state become a leader in the fight against climate change. Overall, Drawdown Georgia is building a movement to accelerate progress toward net zero greenhouse gas emissions. As you will hear, Ollie is going to discuss which solutions are the most beneficial when it comes to Georgia's role in the fight against climate change. He is also going to give some really great advice for any college students listening on participating in research and really taking advantage of all of the resources around you during your time in college and working alongside all of the brilliant professors that you have access to. This is a really great episode, even if you don't live in Georgia, and it's truly amazing to hear. Ollie's story about moving to the U.S. from England to pursue his passion for sustainability. He is so eager to make a difference, and I find that it's really contagious. So I hope you all enjoy today's episode. Let's get started. Ollie, thank you so much for being here today. We recently met through an Earth Day panel that I had the opportunity to moderate, and you were a panelist speaking about your experience with Drawdown Georgia, I'm excited to learn more from you today, so go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi,
1: thank you for having me. So yeah, I'm Ollie Chapman. I'm currently a second year master's student at Georgia Tech. I'm doing my master's in public policy, but with a focus on energy and and environmental policy. And I've been a researcher for Drawdown Georgia coming up on a year in in June, year in junior. So um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Great. So how did you decide to pursue a degree in public policy and specifically with a focus on energy and the environment?
1: So my bachelor's was in history. I was always kind of good at history at school, and I was just kind of encouraged to do it. But kind of whilst doing my degree, I kind of wanted to do more. Kind of, I wanted to see what I was reading, what I was researching, have an impact on people's lives Um, I uh, towards the end of my degree prescribed to this um, podcast called 80,000 hours and it's to do with you have about 80,000 hours in your career what can you do to have the biggest impact so I was like what can I do to have the biggest impact and something I came across was public policy and there are multiple different areas of public policy you can do but one that really Stuck home to me was kind of environmental and energy policy. It's the large, you know, I believe the largest issue we face as a as a society currently, and I feel uh, it needs as many people as possible working on finding out solutions and how we can carry out those solutions to better our planet, our environment, but also ourselves.
0: We were talking a little bit before we started recording, but what brought you to the US and specifically how did you end up at Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, so uh, when deciding where to come, obviously the UK has a lot of great universities, but I felt which, two, which countries have the potential of the biggest impact on the direction of the planet's climate. And for me, the obvious conclusion was the US and China. Now I don't speak Mandarin, so <laughs> the US uh kind of was the best option for me. And so when looking for university, destroyed tech really stood out to me because of its emphasis on technology as a solution. And I felt with my past experiences on a more kind of qualitative level, coming to tech and really getting these quantitative skills would best serve me in being able to carry out my kind of ambition of making a big impact in the climate policy scene.
0: Wow, that's really amazing that you came to the US just to be a part of the fight against climate change. And as we mentioned, you are working with Drawdown Georgia. I have the book Drawdown. It was a really big thing when I was at UGA that we were starting to talk about in a new conversation. And it's a very popular resource in the sustainability field. But for any listeners who are unfamiliar with Drawdown or haven't heard of it before, can you give us a little background on what their mission is and the work that they're doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you have the book. It's a really influential book written by Paul Hawken. So he was an environmental uh, entrepreneur and journalist. And what he did with Drawdown was kind of identify the best solutions for the planet moving forward on how to tackle climate change and how to bring our CO2 emissions down. Um, and from that, so Drawdown Georgia took that and from a global scale and decided what could, what are the best solutions for Georgia?
0: Well, as you mentioned, there is a chapter of Drawdown in Georgia. So where does Drawdown Georgia fit into the larger organization of Drawdown and how did you get involved?
1: So Drawdown Georgia is kind of separate from uh, Drawdown itself. It kind of it draws its inspiration from that, that project, that idea. And as I mentioned earlier, it, you know, it realized a lot of these solutions, while well, great for the planet as a whole, weren't great for Georgia. So, for instance, everyone's heard of wind power, and wind power is becoming a really important part of many countries' energy mixes. But Georgia has some of the slowest winds in the US, and the amount of windmills you would have to build uh, in the state of Georgia to meet its energy demands would be astronomical. You're talking maybe a third of the state would be littered with windmills, just trying mm. to slowly churning, trying to power the state. So we realized that the best thing to go forward for states was to try and identify their best solution sets. And as the state of Georgia wasn't currently pursuing any policies, we felt uh drawdown felt that it was up to kind of the academic and the professional um, arenas to try and find out what those solutions were.
0: And I know you're going to Georgia Tech, but are there other universities involved with Drawdown Georgia or who are all of the parties involved with Drawdown Georgia?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the great thing about Drawdown Georgia has been how how many people have been involved and how many institutions. So, uh, obviously, the the project is currently being led by Dr. Marilyn Brown, who is a professor here at Georgia Tech. But uh, the core team of researchers, there's been... um, University of Georgia, Emory, Georgia State, um, private organizations such as South Face, which you may have heard of based in Atlanta, Green Links, which has a Georgia Tech alumni running it. So multiple academic institutions, private institutions, nonprofits, all from Georgia, all getting involved, trying to ask the important question, what can Georgia do?
0: What are the main goals of Drawdown Georgia? And can you talk about some of the specific solutions that you all have found?
1: Yeah, sure. So during the first phase, the goal was to just identify what the best solutions were and what kind of impact they would have on the state. So in terms of examples, obviously, if you live in Georgia, you know, it's quite a hot place. The sun tends to shine. So solar was a big uh, option for us, both utility scale solar. So that's kind of these fields of solar panels, you know, um, and also rooftop solar. Other solutions the listeners may not be aware of, um, demand response, so that's things like having smart appliances in your house that manage your energy load and shift it away from peak power because um, Georgia Power, the main utility company in the state has to often turn on reactivate coal plants that aren't operational, but in order to meet that peak demand. So shifting Mm -hmm. your demand away from peak times using sort of smart appliances can also have a big impact. But then there's also things like um, reduced food waste and afforestation. Georgia has a is very fortunate in that it has a lot of natural forest lands. Um, I think um, it is over the first or second largest amount of natural forest cover uh, per capita than any other state. And um, the reason that's important is obviously Trees provide are a great source of carbon sink and you know they naturally uh, capture and store carbon. But um, you can't just plant a tree where a tree never grew. So some states like Kansas and Nebraska, you know, the Great Plains states, they don't really have the option of planting trees because trees never grew there. Um, whereas Georgia, a lot of our current farmland and cropland used to be forests and can be forests again. So that's an an example of a specific solution that a state like Georgia can utilize.
0: I'm sure since living in Atlanta, although maybe with COVID, it's been a little better, but there is a ton of traffic being such a large city. Are there any solutions that are focused on transportation?
1: Yeah, there are actually. So there's a couple transportation. Uh, In terms of traffic, you have uh, alternative mobility. So that's uh, encouraging people's people to alter their behavior around how they move around um, so that could be uh, walking or biking somewhere instead of taking the car the average journey um an american each the average journey each american takes is about seven miles um so which isn't that long um or you can't walk or bike that um, you can definitely walk i mean i walk to the um, my local target and that's about a 10 minute walk, uh, obviously some some summer days you might not be able to do that, but uh, altering the way people move about a city is one of the best ways to reduce its congestion. But also in terms of the damage from pollutants, from cars, EVs is another solution we've looked at. Um, Georgia has a, with the plant Vogel coming online in about a year or two, uh, Georgia's grid. Georgia's grid will get uh, a lot cleaner and that provides the opportunity for EVs to grow without causing the potential side effects of moving emissions away from traffic and towards power plants. So alternative mobility EVs, those are the two major solutions that the state could invest in, along with obviously mass transit, um, bus at drawdown would love to see a, a boost in investment to things like MARTA and other forms of buses and trains.
0: It'll definitely be interesting to see how transportation comes about after the pandemic, because I feel like before COVID, there is a huge push for public transportation like taking the bus to work or taking MARTA to work. But now with COVID, it's kind of thrown a wrench in that and people aren't as comfortable using those forms of transportation. So hopefully over the next few years, we'll start to move towards moving back to those modes of transportation once the vaccine is out and most people are vaccinated.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I would just like to add, it's important though moving forward. Um, as COVID, COVID has kind of made quite obvious the. How our current transit system doesn't work—it's very much centered on funneling people from the suburbs to downtown. But uh, since the Great Recession, and even more now during COVID, a lot of people work within their own communities, within their own sort of suburbs, and transit links between suburbs to some suburbs to another are really lacking and really um, inefficient. You know, some people. Mm-hmm um in atlanta may have to if you want to go from lennox mall um to the south side of buckhead instead of just doing the kind of 3 mile journey you have to go all the way down to downtown atlanta and then back out again uh, which is just a really inefficient way of using public transit and puts people off using it so uh, we think moving forward as cities start to invest hopefully in their transit infrastructure a real emphasis on kind of suburb to suburb movement should definitely be emphasized.
0: Yeah, that would definitely be great and have a really big impact. Is there a solution that you find to be the most interesting or one that you have focused more on?
1: Um, So start off with the one I focused most on. uh, It's probably demand response. Uh, It wasn't a solution I was particularly aware of before um, starting at Jordan, Georgia, but um, I've had the privilege of co-authoring a paper with uh, Dr. Marilyn Brown, looking at how demand response can uh, improve Georgia's uh, CO2 situation. So while it, it does reduce emissions, it also has a a bunch of other benefits. Um, you know, it reduces household bills. It, you know, we, we our modelling projected you could save over the next decade Georgians around 500 million on their energy bills. Um, it's also really good with coupling with other forms of technology, so EVs and um, solar. So demand response and sort of smart thermostats and battery storage can really help the communication between vehicles and solar panels where you can, if you your solar panels aren't quite reaching the demand your house needs, it can draw power from your car that's plugged in, your EV that's plugged in, or it can turn off the dishwashers if the dishwasher is running and restart it again once you regain enough power needs from your solar pan Um, so that kind of smart movement you know taking away the decisions from humans who tend to not make the good we tend not to make the right decisions you know (laughs) running the dishwasher and the washing machine at the same time or whilst also having a shower and using heat from that you know this by taking those decisions out of our hands we can really reduce our energy load uh but also in terms of your most most exciting i mean for georgia it's got to be utility scale solar just because of the for two things the the sheer amount of reduction in our carbon footprint it can it can cause you know of the 20 solutions utility scale solar that's about 20 to 30 percent of Georgia's potential for CO2 reduction right there wow. but also just the the amount of jobs it can create and also think where these jobs are being created so obviously Atlanta has been a major successful story for Georgia you know a lot of companies are moving here it's you know a very popular city to move to but a lot of rural communities in Georgia are kind of being left behind um, particularly um, southern along the Center and southern plane of the state. And obviously, you can't build a, a solar field, solar farm in a city. It has to be done in a, a rural setting. So uh, these projects have the real potential to bring a lot of jobs and good paying jobs and high-skilled jobs to these rural communities in Georgia. So I think that's definitely something people in Georgia should be excited for and pushing for. It's more solar, solar, solar plants.
0: Well, there is a focus on reducing carbon emissions, obviously, that is going to benefit the environment. How will these solutions also impact the economy? As you just mentioned, a lot of jobs are going to be created and also public health.
1: Yeah. So the final component of our research with on our solutions for Jordan and Georgia was something called Beyond Carbon. And that's something we're going to look at more as we go forward as well. So what happens beyond just Reducing our carbon emissions. Um, And like you just mentioned, jobs is a big factor. So, solar brings in a lot of jobs, Um, EVs can bring in a lot of jobs. Um, But also, in terms of public health, beyond carbon emissions, obviously, um, along with carbon emissions, we have nasty pollutants come along with these kinds of things. So, uh, carbon monoxide and um, NOx and Sulfuric um, fumes and stuff from vehicles and power plants. Uh, these will have massive impacts on our health and from causing increasing the rates of asthma or lung disease, um, to even some studies have started to look into how um, uh, pregnant mothers who are inhaling too many of these fumes can have impacts on the IQ of. Uh, their newborn uh, babies. So, Mm. there's a lot of health impacts that can benefit the state uh, through a reduction in carbon emissions. And also, in terms of the economy, I mean, the more jobs you create, the less health costs people are incurring, uh, the more people are able to travel freely through reduced congestion in the cities more balanced the economy will be with jobs in the south and in the rural areas through solar it's just it's always it's all going to benefit the economy in a positive manner
0: i'm interested how does drawdown georgia focus on equity since georgia is such a diverse state whether we're talking about the people that live here or even just the landscape across the full state of georgia
1: yeah equity has always been a big um concern and you know importance for us during our research we've always wanted to make sure we're addressing the, those concerns so obviously things like solar do tend to increase prices um, in, at least in the short term um, and obviously um, if you have the lower your income the higher the cost of energy is going to be proportionate to your income so we've looked at ways of how these burdens can be reduced um, So uh, in terms of energy costs for households, improving efficiency of homes through things like retrofitting, the um, US federal government has just started a new weatherization program that includes installing things like solar and um, battery power, but just improving the efficiency of homes through these kind of programs um, specifically focused on um, targeting low income households can help bridge those potential gaps in spending um, for low income households and stuff. Also solar panels are quite expensive even today and EVs are also expensive. So we need to make sure the solutions we put forward aren't kind of just benefiting um, those in the middle class and higher classes who could already afford them. Um, some issues we found with kind of EV tax rebates is that essentially all of the tax re- all the tax refunds are going to kind of individuals who earn an income over seventy thousand. So they don't really need the help. And um, like if you have a if you're only paying a thousand dollars in tax each year, that's the most you can claim on a rebate. Even if the rebate was for ten thousand, so uh, making sure it these kind of issues aren't being overlooked is definitely very important to us.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting to hear. And it's great to hear that there has been such a focus on equity amongst Drawdown Georgia. As you mentioned earlier, you are co-authoring a paper with Dr. Marilyn Brown, who is a professor at Georgia Tech. And I know we have a good amount of listeners who are college students. So I think they would find it really interesting to hear about what your experience has been like doing research while getting your master's degree and working with a professor at Georgia Tech?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I've been very fortunate in being able to do sort of research, be a research assistant whilst at Georgia Tech. And I can honestly say it's definitely been the most fulfilling experience during my time there, kind of being able to see how academia, this kind of academic research uh, is conducted. It's been very fulfilling um, in terms of like sort of lessons I've learned. It's just you learn so much just being in meetings with really smart people. It's just, you know, if you, ever, if you are doing, planning to do a graduate degree and you do want to do research, attend as many meetings or panels as you can and just be a sponge and absorb as much of this knowledge as you can. Um, like, for example, a lot of the things I've said, I only know because I've been at these drawdown meetings where all these really, you know, renowned faculty members have been talking about their research, like the trees only grow where trees have grown in the past thing, you know. So you can't plant trees in Kansas or Nebraska. You know, I learned that from a professor at UGA um, because she just she mentioned it and she was talking about it. Um, So I would definitely recommend nudging your graduate advisor or bugging a professor until they say yes to bring you on board with doing some kind of research. And if you can't get an RA position, just even, you know, volunteer to do some work because in the future that can lead to, you know, a good word down the road that can get you a research position, but also just the experience and the knowledge you'll gain from doing it is, is definitely worthwhile.
0: That's really great advice and I totally agree. I did research as an undergrad for a few years and it was definitely the most rewarding experience and it really prepares you for what a real-life job is going to look like after college. So, totally agree with everything you said and encourage everyone to look into research, even if you are just an undergraduate. So what are the next steps for Drawdown Georgia over the next few years?
1: So next steps are what I'm really uh, excited about. You know, my kind of niche in the energy research field is what are these solutions going to look like in real life? You know, you can run as many models and write as many papers as you want. um, But it's what was what's written on paper and what's on a computer screen can be very different to what actually happens on the ground. So. The next phase of drawdown Georgia is going to be essentially, particularly what I, my team will be working on, is what does activating and scaling up these solutions look like in Georgia? So what we'll be doing is looking at all the 20 solutions, starting with seven, the seven we think are the most influential, and looking at who currently has solar panels, who currently has uh, retrofitted heat pumps, who currently owns an EV, Where do they live? What do they look like? Why are they why did they purchase these items? Um, If they're if the reason is because they're environmentally conscious or they have a high income, how can we translate what they've been able to do with their own income to um, more rural areas or lower income areas? You know, how can we make sure as many people in the state of Georgia have access to these solutions? want to have access to these solutions? And what's the kind of the quickest and most efficient, but also the most equity-conscious way of doing that?
0: Well, being or being raised in Georgia, for a lot of people they know, it tends to be a more conservative state. So it's exciting to hear that sustainability and climate change is on the forefront of the conversation here in Georgia, and that our state could really be a major player in the fight against climate change. And it's exciting to think about those next steps over the few years, and what are your goals for the next few years after your master's program ends?
1: Well, you put me on the, the <laughs> spot there because uh, I, I, I am I am walking in a week today actually, so oh, wow. I have to make up my mind. Yeah, I have to make up my mind pretty quickly. Uh, I've been really I've really enjoyed my work on Drawdown Georgia, and I have committed to. Uh, staying on there working over the summer and possibly beyond uh in terms of my academic future uh, i guess you've got the scoop on this but i am in the process of applying to the phd program here at georgia tech um i may have a slight window of being able to sneak into fall 2021 so some influential people at tech have (laughs) helped me out a little bit there but uh if that is if that comes to fruition then i will still be at tech this time next year working on my phd and hopefully still working on drawdown georgia but beyond my time at tech because i do hope eventually it does end um uh, i mean my dream my dream job would be to work kind of at a you know a research institution or a think tank and really putting out my ideas putting out working the some you know, brilliant minds to put out influential policies and then hopefully seeing a couple of those policies being picked up by uh, local governments, state governments, the federal government, and really I hope to be able to look back on my career and see some points in time where I had an impact on the direction of um, climate policy in the US.
0: Well, congratulations on almost making it to graduation. That's really exciting, especially with how crazy this last year has been. And good luck with getting into the PhD program. That's a really exciting process, I'm sure. And for listeners who want to get involved with Drawdown Georgia or just want to learn more about Drawdown as a whole, where can they find that information?
1: Yeah, so... Drawdown Georgia, Um, just type that onto Google or whatever search website um, you're using, and it should be the first thing that pops up. You can go on the website. Uh, There's a lot of great information on there. There's even a tool, a wedge tool you can use where you can select the different policies, the different solutions, and see what those carbon reductions look like. And even how having things like solar will boost the carbon potential of things like EVs. if you like what you see and you want to get involved, there is a Groupit um, platform that you can find on the website. And signing up there, you can like and comment on different sustainable and community projects that are happening in Georgia and Atlanta. And even propose your own ideas and just connect to other people who share the same concerns about the climate and the environment, the environment that you do.
0: Great. I'll be sure to link those in the show notes so people can check out those resources. And as we come to a close here, for the last question, I know I've already made you answer this once before on the panel, but I wanted to ask you again. What are you hopeful about? So,
1: I am hopeful that the U.S. Um, regains its position as kind of the leader in addressing the largest challenge we we face. I know COVID may be challenging that title currently, but in the long run, climate change is the biggest threat to our planet. And I think and I'm hopeful that the U.S. is in the process of regaining its position as the leader in that. I think Biden's 50 percent pledge is really encouraging and has made me even more hopeful than I was before.
0: Agree. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. This was a really hopeful episode. I feel like, and it's exciting to hear about all of these future ideas and plans that are going to help us fight climate change. So, thank you for sharing that with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been it's been real fun.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about today's guest, or just say hello, check out the show notes and find us on Instagram at hopefully sustainable pod. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As you finish this episode, remember that we are all on a personal journey to make the world a better place, but it's all about progress, not perfection. Until next time, stay hopeful and stay sustainable.